Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. When a church or family or any group of Christians has a broken culture, dysfunctional to use the psychology term, what's the starting place for fixing it? Usually in situations like that, so many things are messed up and the problems are so complex and so interconnected that it's hard to even know where to begin in restoring things. In today's passage, James is going to tell us exactly where the starting place is. So, we've seen the stakes of integrity. There's nothing less than your eternal destiny is at stake. We've seen the basis for integrity, which is reverence for the name of God. Now, one final point. The primacy of integrity. Now, let's get to this, these two words, above all. Where, why these words, above all? And this has perplexed a lot of commentators, because it's like, above all what? To understand these, these two words, we need to see how it fits into the flow of the context. And this is, what, this is just what's so exciting to me when this, when this became clear. See, here's what we know about the people that James is writing to. It was a broken church. James was, it was a community that was in shambles, a Christian community was in shambles as a result of sinful reactions to pressure, sinful reactions to suffering. They were suffering horrible things in terrible ways. But in response to that suffering, what what happened, they started getting testy with each other. They started neglecting each other's needs, becoming ingrown, selfish, prideful. And they they were um, starting to show favoritism. They were jockeying for positions of prominence in the church. There was envy and selfish ambition and disorder and every evil practice and fights and quarrels and worldliness and pride and slander and gossip and passing judgment on each other and grumbling against each other. And it was a mess. All of that was going on in these churches and it was an absolute mess. And all through the book of James, he's been pointing out all those sins and saying, you've got to repent of that. You've got to repent. And he's been showing the heart, heart conditions causing all these sins. And he's saying, you've got to repent of that. And so what happens is each individual person in the church, if, if a church is in shambles uh, and, they, and they need to recover, then, then um, what happens is each individual in that church who's been doing those sins needs to repent but then what? Now we've all repented of these sins. Then what? When a church has been ripped to shreds by fights and quarrels and, and lack of peace, how do you put it back together? How do you recover? How do you rebuild a broken church culture? That's the topic of the closing section of the book of James. It is not a hodgepodge of, oh, suddenly oaths and then prayer and then this and that. And No, it's a cohesive section teaching This is how you recover a broken church culture. James is going to show us how to rebuild um, a culture that's been shattered by selfishness and quarreling and grumbling. And he's going to teach us four things. There's four things that we need to Any church that's been broken in this way needs to do in order to recover. And the first one of those four is an integrity that is based on a deep, profound reverence for the name of God. That's where, now that's number one. The second one is prayer, verses 13 to 18. That, that first one is in verse 12. Then verse 13 to 18 is prayer. Then the third one is confession of sin to each other in verse 16. And then restoration of those who wander away in verses 19 and 20. That's how you fix a broken church. 
You go from a culture of grumbling and quarreling and selfishness to a culture of peacemaking. If you ever want to do that, the church needs to focus on those four things. It has to have a, it's got to be a place of restoration. It's got to be a place of confession. It's got to be a place of prayer. And it's got to be a place of integrity that rises out of the reverence for God's name. And the, in order for all that to work, that integrity has to, that, that arises out of, um, uh, of reverence for God has to be first. Okay, that's the, that's the point of above all. In fact, the word literal translation is before all. It's just the Greek, Greek phrase is pro pantone. Pro before pantone all. It's before all. The point isn't that that's the most important thing in the whole Christian life, the most important thing in the book. The point is, for this closing section, in order to fix the, uh, the broken church culture, this has to happen first. The primacy of integrity. It, this has to go first. If a disordered, messed up church is ever going to be restored, the starting place has to be an integrity that comes from the reverence of God's name. Because if you don't have that reverence for God's name, none of this other stuff will work. You can't take it out of order because nothing will work. What good is all, all this stuff about prayer that he's going to say in the, in the verses to come? What good is that going to do us if we don't have reverence for God's name? What, is that, what good is that doing if, if we're going to be lying to each other? And having, if we're lying to each other, if we don't have integrity that comes from reverence for God's name, then God's not even listening to our prayers. So it's, what good is it going to do to pray? What good will it be for James to tell us to confess our sins to one another if, uh, so that we might be healed if we're not honest people? If we're, if we're going to wear our masks, we're not going to be transparent and honest? And we're, we're going to start confessing sins to each other in a way that distorts the truth and make us look better than we really are. That's not confession, and it's not going to bring any healing. You've got to have the integrity first. And, and the last one, how are we going to restore people who are wandering from the truth if we ourselves are wandering because of we're dabbling in dishonesty? See, if a broken church is ever going to get back on track, it needs to begin with everyone having a deep and thorough reverence for God's name and a fear of God uh, that, that will give us complete honesty and faithfulness with one another. No church can ever recover while all the people still have their masks on. Can't happen. And the masks will never come off until we have such a deep reverence for God that we're more afraid of profaning His name than we're afraid of being exposed. See, that's why we wear the masks, right? That's why people wear masks in churches. We're scared to death of being exposed. We don't want people to see the ugliness of our heart. And so we wear all these masks and we protect ourselves. And, and we're afraid of exposure. And we've got to get to the point where we're even more afraid of profaning his name by being dishonest and disingenuous. So, let your yes be yes and your no, no. What a, what a wonderful thing trustworthiness is. You know, it's so nice to be able to sit on a chair and not have to worry about whether it's going to collapse. Right? It's nice to, it's great to have a car that always starts every time, and a copier that never jams. Whatever that would be like, I don't know. <laughs> Can't imagine. It's so great to just, just, just lean on something and know that it'll hold you. So, so when you're trustworthy, you're a blessing to the people around you. They can lean on you and they can trust. They know what they're dealing with. They don't have to worry about whether you've misled them in some way. You're making life wonderful for the people around you when you're a person of integrity, when you're honest. That's a profound 
uh, exhibition of love. It's an expression of love. That's, how, that's, how, that's one of the ways we love each other. Proverbs 24, 26. Uh, honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. On the lips. That's a, that's a great proverb, isn't it? Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue, though, hates those it hurts. It's an issue of love. See, it's a cruel thing to lie because whenever you lie, basically what you're doing is you're stealing a piece of that person's life. Because what is life? Life is interacting with reality, right? And, and when, you, when you lie to someone, you're separating that person from reality. You're giving them a little bit of insanity. Insanity is when you are interacting with non-reality. You're kind of making that person insane in that little area because they, they think this is reality and it's not. You're taking reality away from them. If someone played a practical joke on you and they made you think that you're fired from your job um, and they kept the joke going for two weeks and so you're job hunting for two weeks and it turns out it's a joke, now you've just wasted two weeks of your life. This is what we do when we lie to each other. We, we, we steal portions of the, of the other person's life. And you want to know the greatest reason of all to, for, for integrity and faithfulness? How about this? God is faithful. God is faithful. And we want to be like our Father. That's the best way to be. Any other way is no good. He's our Father. We want to be like Him. And He's faithful. In fact, He makes a big point about that. Did you know there's a, there's a reason why God tells us over a hundred times in the Bible, I'm faithful, I'm trustworthy, I'm truthful. A hundred plus times. He's making a point. It's one of the most wonderful things about God and it's essential that we take delight in that truth about God in order for us to have success in living the Christian life. There's never, ever a question about whether God will do what he said or whether he is exactly the way he portrays himself to be. God would never tell you that he's pleased with you when he's angry. Never. He would never tell you something is okay when it's not okay. He would never make a bigger deal out of something than it really is. He would never make a smaller deal out of something than it really is. Is yes means yes. Aren't you glad when God says yes, it means yes? Aren't you glad he didn't say, uh, oh, I love you and, and you, you, you trusted my son, you're in my son, so I forgive all your sins and you're my child forever. You did what? Oh, forget it. You're done. I quit. Aren't you glad he doesn't do that? No. He swears by himself. Did you know that God swears to God? Hebrews 6.13, when God made his promise, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Men swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, and it enters. The anchor enters into the sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we <laughs> your faithfulness, uh, the, the, the thought of, of an anchor tethering us to your faithfulness, and it's, it's, that anchor is lodged in the very holy place in heaven. And you have sworn an oath. It's already impossible for you to lie. Then it would be impossible for you to break an oath. Two impossible things, two unchangeable things. Just so that we might have confidence. 
in your faithfulness. Oh Lord, let us live like a people whose God is that faithful. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.